You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Good morning, church family. So glad you're all here this morning, the, the frozen chosen. You guys are awesome. Gold star for coming this morning. Those joining us online, we love you so much. Thanks for being here. We're going to dive into God's word this morning. First John chapter 5 is where we will be. There's nothing like the gathering of God's people, amen? Um, and nothing should ever replace that. You guys think it's cold today? You know, this is nothing. So um, my brother pastors in Bismarck, North Dakota, and they help plant a church in Dickinson, North Dakota. This morning in Dickinson, North Dakota, negative 70 wind chill. That's what I'm saying. This is nothing. So you just come south. This is going south, you know, for the winter. Actually, this morning, Travis and Don Rossinger, parents of uh, our pastor, Alex Rossinger, our college pastor, they're here, and they came south this weekend. They got, they got out of the cities to come south to be a little more balmy and uh, warm down here. So so honored to have you guys. I love you guys dearly. Um, they're on staff at Eaglebrook up in Minneapolis, and always a joy to have you guys. You just turn over the morning to Pastor Travis. So. Um, Hope you came hungry for the word of God this morning. Hey, so in six weeks, uh, just to piggyback off of Kyle's announcements, I get to make an announcement. In six weeks, we have one of the biggest events that we host in the entire year called Jesus Worthy Conference. And we are not an event-driven church. Um, This is the one event that I am unapologetic about pushing and promoting because it's central to the Christian life that we on a regular, regular basis cultivate first love for the Lord, and that's the whole essence of that conference. So you wanna be a good father, cultivate first love for the Lord. If you wanna be a good mother, cultivate love for Jesus. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added unto you. Um, he said, the sum of the law and the prophets, love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And too often in the church, we say, oh yeah, been there, done that, I love him, but our hearts are cold. <laughs> And it's evident in our life Monday through Saturday. Amen? (laughs) That's that's, that's the proof. Like the proof is in Monday through Saturday. Do our hearts burn in love for Jesus? And so the whole whole essence of this conference is on a regular basis for our church to gather, to cultivate that first love for the Lord, to not allow us to to wane towards lukewarmness, um, towards forms of of godliness that are void of power. And so it is going to be an epic weekend. I guarantee, money back guarantee, if you come and you leave still bored in your Christianity, I'll, I will personally give you your money back. Um, so come. And those joining us online, the QR code is there. So grab your phone, uh, register today. Uh, the $50 that it costs truly just covers the cost of the conference. And there's, meal, there's a couple meals included Friday evening and then um, a light breakfast Saturday morning, a lunch, full Chick-fil-A lunch on Saturday. Um, so I feel like the value is there. We are truly just trying to, to create an environment where people can come and cultivate a love for Jesus. It's going to be an amazingly rich, rich weekend. So come, make plans. Parents, make plans for your kids so you can be there. It will be an investment in your family and your household for sure. Um, oh, I love gathering with you all. This is so good to be here. Um, you know, we gather on a regular basis not out of legalism. We gather out of principle. Jesus is worthy of a people that gather on a regular basis for his glory. You know, last night, thousands of people gathered at Hilton Coliseum. Thousands of people. So I want to tell you, Jesus is worthy of people gathering on Sunday morning, regardless of what the weather is like. And even those joining us online, we value you 
tuning in right now to join arms in the spirit with your church family. Let us never allow anything to replace the gathering of God's people. And uh, you drive up and down the main dregs, St. Arbucks is open, um, right? Hilton Coliseum obviously is packed. Friday night I was at a swim meet for my daughter. People drove from Kansas City, from Minneapolis for their swim meet. And too often, the church shows its weakness by shuddering so quickly. And that's not a ju judgmental statement. That's a matter of principle in my own heart, that we will be the church, we will gather, whether there's two, whether there's 200, whether there's 2,000, we will gather. And Jesus says, there he is in the midst. Um, or two or three gather, as Kyle already quoted. So, oh, the Lord is good. First John chapter five, we've been here since the end of August and it's been beautiful. Going through the book of First John, Verse by verse, it has been a joy to do this as a church family this school year. And um, there have really been two main emphases in this book that John has been consistent at uh, proclaiming, declaring, describing. And the first is exalting Jesus Christ as the Son of God because that was really um, being attacked in his day. That was being detracted from um, the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, fully God, fully man. And the second is that this Christian life has to have substance to it. We can't just profess a faith in God that is not, there is no fruit or substance to it in our life throughout the week and the people that are closest to us. And so those two things he's contending for in the day and age in which John lived, he was contending for that because devotion in the church was waning. Love in the church was, was waning. And so he needed to exalt Jesus Christ as the sufficient son of God the God-man, the only answer, the only way, the only truth, the only life. And then he needed to call the people to a gospel that actually had substance and fruit to it. And, uh, and so here as we reach the end of 1 John, there's, there's nothing that he's going to say here that he says in a vacuum. It's all built on that. On that. It's all built on those uh, emphases that he's already made, those main points that he's made. And he's going to put an exclamation point on it. So these are themes that he's already spoken into, and here he's going to, he's going to throw the big exclamation point on it so that we get it. So we, we're, we're like there's, we're, he's assured that we'll get it. This is Father John. You know, John, here he is in his old age. He's grandfatherly. He's even more than a father. He's grandfather John. That's why he's always referring to him as little children, ones I love, dearly loved. Um, this is his exclamation point. And this morning, the title of this message that I want to minister to your hearts is the testimony of the Son. And the testimony of the Son is this, that God has started an eternal family. The Lord has started an eternal family. So I want the Lord to give us revelation of this eternal reality that we have been adopted into the family of God. That changes everything. We'll just look here at verse 11. We'll read more than just verse 11, but verse 11 it says this, and this is the testimony that God, has, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not, does not have life. So this is the testimony, and it's the testimony of his Son. And so we're going to see that the testimony of his Son is this eternal family. Father God adopting sons and daughters, children of God, into his eternal family, and it changes everything. That changes how we view ourselves before our holy God. It changes how we view 
the Lord himself. It changes how we view each other. It changes everything. This reality, this revelation that we have been adopted into, grafted into the family of God. I grew up in a, a big family and a blended family. My um, mom passed away when I was seven years old. And when I was nine, my dad remarried an amazing lady uh, who had three kids of her own. And so my dad had four kids, my, my stepmom had three kids, so we were like the Brady Bunch, except for it wasn't so tranquil and there was no song, silly song at the beginning of our, of our days. Um, it was kind of chaotic, it was kind of crazy. That was our household. And so, um, but, but there was a day that came when my dad said I do to my stepmom. And for me, that changed everything in regards to these other three kids. They were just three other kids, which I was starting to get to know. But then my dad said, I do, and then they became family. Then all of a sudden, these ones I had to relate to like siblings. And still to this day, even as I saw them over Christmas, those are my brothers, my brothers and my sister. Those are my family, right? They've become family because of a decision that my father made to marry this woman in a so much of a greater way. That's what happens when we say yes to Jesus. When finally our hearts come surrendered and um, pledge our devotion to the sufficiency of Christ as the only way before our righteous, our righteous God, we are adopted into a family. We, we, there's a line that's drawn and we are brought into a family. And this is such good news. It's such good news that we belong in a family. You belong. So regardless of your history, regardless of your family background, I'm not saying it's irrelevant or um, needs to be discarded. I'm saying none of that disqualifies you. In fact, this is such good news for all of us because we all come from brokenness to some degree or another. And it's such good news that our perfect father of lights, as James says, has adopted us into his family as sons and daughters. Amen. I pray you get excited this morning because feel sleepy. Is there like melatonin in the coffee, Jake? Or? No? Okay. Okay, good. Um, we need to stay warm this morning. So I need some amens. I need some hooping and some hollering. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray that God's word speaks to our hearts this morning because that's what we need. We need Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you to reveal your word. And Lord, we need the testimony of your son, your perfect son, to be made relevant to every single heart. God, may the revelation of your sufficiency in your work, may it be brought to bear on every single heart, regardless of what brought them here this morning, regardless of what's happened this week or in the past. I pray there would be a revelation of your miraculous work that grafts us and adopts us into an eternal family. Now we belong. Now we can see the Father be brought into relationship with you. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, make it come alive, make it jump off the pages of your word. May it be living and active like a two-edged sword, cutting into our, our hearts, dividing between soul and spirit. I pray it in your mighty name. Amen. You know, one of my wife's favorite passages is Psalm 68. That says, the Lord is the father of the fatherless, the protector of the widows. He's holy in his, habit, in his heavenly habitation. And it says, he puts the lonely in family. 
This is a burning passion of my wife, but I've seen it time and time again, how the Lord rewrites our story. He draws that line and allows us that do not belong, myself included, to belong in the family of God. And that's such a joy and uh, such a privilege. This, this is something so needed in the church. The church should look a lot more like family than, than a business, amen? And something's happened over the last 30, 40 years where business models have taken over the church. And, um, and so sadly, you know, marketing has overtaken evangelism in the church. Business processes have taken over relational discipleship. Um, you know, attending an event has taken over relational New Testament community. And so we need to see a resurgence of spiritual family in the church. And we're seeing it here. That's why we're so adamant about talking to each other like family. Uh, we need this. We need a revival of a paradigm of spiritual family in the church. Let's look at this in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to kind of break it into two parts here. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. So you see it there. We're born of our heavenly Father. When we place our faith in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the way, the truth, and the life, as the only sacrifice that can make right our uh, judgment that we are due, the wrath of God that we are due, we place our faith and surrender all to Christ, we are grafted into a family, and it changes now how we relate to each other too. These other ones who've been born of God. We're born of God anew, and others are born of God anew. Verse three, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He's always referencing Jesus as the Son of God throughout, throughout this book. It's the exaltation of that testimony of the Son of God. So right here in these few verses, we're going to keep reading, but I first want to highlight three evidences or realities of this family uh, revelation in our lives. So what are, the, what are the realities of this new family, being adopted in the family of God? There's three, I believe, that, are, uh, that John just gave us. One is there will be a love that begins to grow in our hearts for the Lord's kids, for God's kids. That's verse one right there. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. They go hand in hand. Love for the Father begins to bear, uh, produce seeds and the roots of love for other, for other people in the family of God. It's non-negotiable. And so Tony said it, a num Pastor Tony said it a number of weeks ago when he talked about why we gather as a community of faith. And you know, he talked about how you can't, you can't love the head of the church and, not, and, and hate the body. You can't love the bridegroom and hate the bride. Here's another analogy that, he, that, that John speaks to. We can't say we love the father and hate his kids. And so this is something we have to allow Holy Spirit to work out in us so that we love others well in the family of God. We can't allow ourselves to uh, let this slide in our lives. We need, need to allow the Lord to bear f the fruit of love towards others in the family of God. That's God's will for you. That's God's 
plan for you. You know, in my own family, of a blended family, it took a while for me to begin to, begin to love my step-siblings like they were my, like they're really family, you know? At first, they were just coming to eating all my food and taking up my space. And, but I had to begin to realize, oh, these, these, this is family for life. My parents said, I do, for life. And so this is, this is family. I got to figure this out. So it is actually all the more in this spiritual family because this is eternal. Jesus said in, in heaven, there won't be giving in, in, in marriage in heaven. So this is even more like forever, forever. This is eternal. We're going to be together, guys. We got to figure this out. We got to figure out how to share space and turn each other towards the author and the perfecter of our faith on a continual basis. So it doesn't mean you need to be best buddies with everybody. It doesn't mean you need to be you need to like everybody, even, but you gotta love everybody. My eight-year-old just reminded me of that this week. She said, Dad, I don't have to like everybody, but I do have to love them, right? I was like, yes, Quinn, you got it. You just gotta, you gotta allow the love of God to be evidenced towards other people. You don't have to like everybody or be best buddies with everybody, but we need to allow the love of God to become a reality in our church, in our church family, amen? amen. Two is this, and it goes hand in hand with, the first, it's obedience to God. And this is not something new to chapter five. He's already said this as well, that if we're born of God, we're not gonna continue to practice sinning. He says in 1 John chapter three, that if we love God, we will obey what he commands. He says earlier in 1 John. And so here he repeats it. I said nothing is, here is brand new to this, to this letter. He's simply repeating what he's He's already said with a huge exclamation point. So one, another reality of this new family is we will learn to obey. What would, you, what would you begin to label a child who has complete disregard for the rules of the house? Eventually, you would label them as rebellious. And so as children of God, if we've been adopted into the family of God, there needs to be a humility cultivated in us to want to know the ways of God, to want to know how to better obey him. And it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. First John chapter 1 deals with that. None of us are without sin. We have an advocate, this one who stands before the Father on our behalf. So this is not a proposing some sort of sinless perfection. But it is contending for an upward and onward sanctification of growing in Christ-likeness, learning, learning the ways of the Father and submitting our hearts to him over and over and over and it's so interesting that obedience to the Lord is tied hand in hand to love for other people, isn't it? I think it's so fascinating. This is not just a matter of you and the Lord. This is a community thing. Your behavior, how you uh, walk on this path towards your Savior impacts other people. And honestly, as a pastor, I see it all the time, <laughs> time and time again. You, you, you don't live your faith out with Jesus in a vacuum. There are other people watching you. There are other people following you. You know, there, there, there's people all around you that you influence, and the family of God needs to realize that we love others well by having a singular devotion and heart steadfastly towards him, wanting to walk in greater and greater obedience, our lives being immersed in his grace to walk this out day by day. Amen? That's the love of the Lord. You know, at the center of sin is selfishness. It's self. All sin at the center of itself. And so love would be releasing ourselves of this pride and this 
self-centeredness, to say, I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not prone to this sin time and time again. I can live for the Lord, and I want to know his ways. It's really interesting. As Jesus talks about loving other people well, he says it'd be better that we have a millstone tied around our neck, we're thrown into the sea, than we cause a little one to stumble. So this is the way of the Lord, that we consider how our actions impact others. I remember when I was in my early 20s, and there was a young lady in our church family who, who we, we, me and my wife had known for, for years, and she walked away from the Lord, went off into the world, and, and fell into substance abuse and alcoholism and all that. She was a few years older than us, and remember when she got saved again, like she, she encountered the Lord. She came back into uh, our community and she, her life was beginning to be transformed by Jesus. It was beautiful. And so obviously we wanted her to get connected in a community and she jumped into a community of, of young adults in their mid-20s, so out of our college age group, but um, young adults. And this group of young adults, they, they loved the Lord, but they were not being mindful of how their actions would impact other people. So they took liberties. And so after one of their Bible study nights, they said, hey, let's all go down to the bar and have, have a drink. And for, for them in their mind, they were, they were seeing Christian liberty as just a privilege that was theirs, and that is, that, that is theirs. But they weren't realizing how their actions would maybe impact others. And so here's a brand new believer who's just come from the world and all she's known is drunkenness and, and uh, substance abuse and she comes into the household of God and all she sees is pretty much the same thing. People wanting a quick escape, people wanting to take part of the same things in their life and honestly it caused her to question everything. She was devastated by it. And so it is the love of the Lord to consider how our actions impact other people, how our how what we do and how we walk this out impacts other people. It's the love of the Lord. It's not performance. If it's performance, deal with that before the cross. If it's legalism, deal with that before the cross. But don't overcorrect to another ditch, which is complete uh, selfishness and pride and cause other people to stumble. As we love the Lord, we're going to love his kids and we're going to learn to be obedient. The third reality or evidence of this new family is overcoming. So these are all related. But he says that. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. So those that are adopted into the family of God who are born again, born of God, they overcome the world. We're victorious in Christ. And so gone are the days where we say, woe is me, I am defeated. I am at a dead end. No, th those days are gone. It's not that you don't have bad days. It's not that there's days you don't stumble and fall, but the, the trajectory is that of an overcomer. Everyone who's been born of God has overcome the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How could he say that? Is that of faith or confidence in ourselves? No, the reason he, he says it is because it's a faith in a person. His name is Jesus, the overcomer, the victor, the one who has led the way. He is our victor, and so our faith is victorious, this is our testimony. This is how we overcome. It's our faith in this person. The writer of Hebrews says, the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. This is our way of life. And so faith is not spiritual energy or good thoughts. All true faith is in a person. 
the overcomer himself. And so this is the Lord's will for all of us and all the more in community. And so I'd encourage you to confess your junk to other people and allow them to push you to look at the author and the perfecter of your faith and you'll find victory there. Day after day, you'll see victory. As Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians, we're being transformed from glory to glory. As we behold this beautiful one, we're being transformed in the likeness of Christ from glory to glory. So it's not from stumbling to stumbling, no. The, the, the story of our life is from glory to glory. As he teaches us to be an overcomer, as he, as he teaches us to be victorious. I pray this is stirring your heart, because I'm stirred sharing it. So uh, let's keep reading verse six. We just talked about three realities of this new family, three evidences. Now we're going to talk about three ways that God testifies to us. So if we're beginning to doubt this, how do we, how do we allow the Lord to preach this to our hearts Monday through Saturday? Verse, verses 6 through 12 talk about this. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by the water and the blood. This is going to kind of sound out there, mysterious, but we'll, we'll break it down. So Jesus Christ came by water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has been born concerning his Son, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God is born concerning his Son. This, I told you, this is the exclamation point to this entire book. This is the testimony of his Son. Please let, let, let there be no doubt in your mind about the, the intentions, the plan, the purposes of God. Verse 11, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So what in the world is John saying here? What is this testimony of the Son? It's that we're grafted into an eternal family. We're adopted into eternal family. But why can we believe that? There's three things that he says testifies to us about this eternal reality. The water, the blood, and the spirit. Why, why does John bring it to those things? Why are those things relevant to our life? And how do we allow those things to testify to us today about the eternal work of the Son that's adopted us into the family? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. This is so important because many people feel, I don't know, like they're outliers, like they're, um, maybe they're, they're the exception to the gospel. They're the exception to God's phenomenal grace to his good news. There's something unique about my story, therefore I'm disqualified. All that can be put to death today as we see the testimony of the son, three ways that the son testifies to us about his eternal work in us. I have one, one of my children who's maybe more on the dramatic side. And so sometimes if she feels like she's maybe being outed or being, uh, getting in trouble, she says, I must not belong in this family. You know, maybe I'm, I don't, I'm not, maybe, maybe I was a mistake. You know, she would use language like that, and we have to kind of talk her back into truth. No, you're a part of our family. We love you, and you're learning. Um, but sometimes we can feel that way. We can feel like we don't belong here. We look around, we're like, 
these people all love Jesus more than me. These people, they all know the, the Bible better than me. Um, they all seem so convinced. They all seem so steadfast or whatever. And we can begin to talk ourselves in circles in regards to the work of Christ in us. But there are three graces that the Lord, that John introduces to us here. And it's really not even an introduction because these are all elements that John talks about in his gospel. So John is very like repetitive in what he emphasizes in his gospel and what he emphasizes in 1 John. And these three elements are for sure there. The water, the blood, and the spirit. So the first way that God testifies to us about our new family is the water. The water refers to the baptism, the, the waters of baptism. What was it that took place in that encounter when Jesus himself was baptized in water? There was the affirmation of the Father that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The waters of baptism mark us as the family of God. The waters of baptism are, are so sacred for that reason. So in, in one sense, you know, the, the waters of baptism, they definitely do not save us. Our, 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 we are saved by our confession of faith in the Lord. But, but just because the waters don't save us doesn't mean there's not a spiritual reality to them and a spiritual transaction that takes place. And so from the beginning, when Jesus himself really inaugurates this new way in the kingdom through water baptism, he is introducing a spiritual reality to it. And there's this encounter and this, this voice from, from the Father that, that affirms this as my son in whom I am well pleased. It's the marker of family. And that has been the tradition for 2,000 years. The tradition has been people being brought into the family of God through this public declaration of water baptism. So I'd encourage anybody that hasn't been baptized in water to, to do so uh, a couple Fridays ago. On the week of prayer, we, we had water baptisms, and they were beautiful. There's something so beautiful about people declaring their faith in Christ publicly in a community of faith like this, and that, that, that's sacred. And so it's the waters of baptism that testify to us, even, even now. So you were baptized once in the past, and now for us, in our walk with Christ, we, we look back to those days and we say, no, I was baptized in, in water. The doubts flutter around in our heads. The whispers of the enemy try to convince us of, of, of otherwise, but we have that affirmation of the Father that took place in the waters of baptism that speak a different word over us that say, no, we've been adopted into the family of God, that we belong. You're a son, you're a daughter, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what others say or, or what's going on in your head, you belong. The waters of baptism testify of the, the testimony of the Son of this eternal family. What was the second one? It was the blood. So three ways that God testifies, us, t testifies to us about our new family. The first was the water. The second is the blood. The, the precious blood of Jesus, obviously. This is, this is our continual source of assurance and confidence before the Lord. It's so important for us to continue to recognize the blood, not just as a past reconciling of the judgment that we were due. The blood of Jesus continues to speak a word over us that is our source of strength, source of peace, and continual assurance. The book of Revelation tells us that we will overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb, right? 
It's the blood of the lamb that continues to, to bear witness to us that we stand before the Lord sufficient and assured that only Jesus Christ could pay that price once and for all. It's actually that blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat in heaven that testifies to us now of our assurance as children of God. Praise God. Amen? I said none of what he's said here, he's spoken in a vacuum. That's because 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 That's what he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, present tense. This is our continual assurance. So if you're doubting, do I belong in the family of God? Where do I belong? Am I I really a child of God? Allow the blood of God, the blood of the lamb to speak and testify to you of the sufficiency of Christ that you are adopted into the family of God and your fellowship with others comes because of the sufficient blood of Jesus. Amen? Okay, and what was the third? The third was the spirit. And he said all three of these, they, they agree. The water, the blood, and the spirit. The third way that God testifies to us about our new family is by the spirit. This is the Lord's great gift to us. In this age, this is the age of the spirit. The age of the church is the age of the spirit. The spirit of God in our midst. And may he never be, maybe the spirit, the, pers- the third person of the tr- trinity never be relegated to some corner of the church. May he be in the lifeblood of everything that we do. The spirit of God bringing everything to life. And here's another way in which the spirit is meant to continually be at work in our midst. The spirit of God testifies to us of the work of the Lord in our lives, that we are adopted into the family of God. It's the spirit of God. He testifies to our sonship. Romans chapter eight, Paul says that. It's the spirit of God that bubbles up within us and allows us to cry out to the Lord, Abba, Father. That's, that's the way we can actually call out relationally to our heavenly father. It's by the spirit. He's testifying to us. I'm going to ask Scott to just come up to the keys and we're going to respond to the Lord. It's the spirit that testifies to our sonship. This is why I've told you I can't bring assurance to you regarding your standing before the Lord. It's a work of the spirit. Water baptism is an agent by which the Lord uses to assure us. The blood of the lamb speaks a better word for us. And the icing on the cake the thing that seals the deal is the work of the Spirit in our midst. It's the work of the Spirit that assures us that we are adopted into the family of God. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.